0: Hey, good morning, Summit Church. It's, it is really a privilege. It's so good to be with you guys this morning. My name is PT, like Andy said, and I'm a pastoral resident, which basically means that I'm kind of in the final stages of what it looks like to kind of be trained up, raised up, sitting underneath kind of the encouragement of you guys, as well as the wisdom of our leadership, our pastors, our leaders, uh, just being raised up, eventually with the vision to be sent out to plant churches, to pastor churches. Uh, not just here, but also overseas long-term, just engaging and making Jesus known where Jesus is not currently known, in unreached, unengaged people groups of the earth. And so uh, we're pumped about that, but we're also really excited that right now in this season, we get to be here in Denver, a place where where it is really needy uh, for the gospel, a place where there's many people who need to know Jesus. And so we're excited that kind of week in, week out, and, and in the daily throes of life, we get to kind of make Jesus known here in our city as well as in, the, uh, in this community. Like Andy said, if you've only been with us, kind of checking our church out for the past couple of weeks, you wouldn't really know this because I have been on uh, paternity leave Uh, for the past several weeks, but uh, I do typically do that through, I I get to typically make Jesus known uh, through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, uh, through singing and through music. And I'm so excited because you guys, it has been almost two years here at the summit since I've got to preach, since I've got to get behind this little music stand, crack open God's word and preach it. So I'm pumped to do that. Thanks for letting me do that. As we dig in And Crack open God's word. I'd love to just dig in and press in uh, with the spirit. Would you guys just pray with me for a moment? Woo! Pray, God, that you would just be present here. The words of my mouth and meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. Pray that you would open up our eyes, give us ears to hear, eyes to see. Lord, the truth of your word and how that needs to shape and impact our lives here today. So Holy Spirit, in your sovereign will, you are the one who who spoke these words through James. I pray that you would speak them to us here today. Spirit, have your way. Amen. So my wife and I have been here in Denver for, for over five years. We've been with the church for over four years now. And in our observation, whether we're talking with people who know Jesus or people who don't know Jesus, in my observation, one of the things that I've realized that is not hard to convince people of or to kind of find common ground as I engage in conversation is realizing that it is not difficult to convince people of the fact that we live in a world that is broken. Things are not how they should be. When I'm talking with people and engaging with them, I mean, it's not hard to convince them of this. And I think about this on a global level, on a global level that things are broken and fractured and not marked by wholeness. So on a global level, I think about the the, the civil wars in Somalia. I think about oppressive militant regimes in North Korea and in Burma. I think about the crazy turmoil in the Middle East. In fact, I was just reading this week in a news article talking about the severe suffering that has been going on in Yemen, experiencing intense food and medical shortages caused by two years of devastating war. This article said this: more than two thousand people are believed to have already died as a result of the cholera outbreak cholera outbreak, the largest in the world, and five hundred and forty thousand others have been infected two and a half years of war have unleashed what the un is now officially calling the world's largest humanitarian crisis seven million million yemenis are considered severely food insecure like wow those are staggering numbers many of us have maybe even maybe this is the first time you're hearing about the cholera outbreak or maybe for many of us we don't even know where to place yemen on a map I bring this up, I know it's kind of heavy, but it's like there's so much intense suffering, brokenness, lack of wholeness on a global level that when we crack open the news, like we can't even keep tabs on everything that's going on. Quite frankly, it's overwhelming. It's not just on a global level it's also on a national level. On a national level, I think the one that's heavy on my heart, and hopefully on many of ours, is the racism that has just plagued our country. From its very genesis, all the way leading to atrocities throughout our country's history, even to the point where in 2017, we have such division, fracture, brokenness, lack of wholeness, that there would be movements like the white supremacist alt-right movement. Things that are just an all-out attack on God's desire for wholeness in the world. It's devastating. Unless we think that it's just kind of out there, global, societal level, I think we also have to, if we're honest with ourselves, recognize that it's also in here on a personal level. And I think about so many situations that we're walking through right now, situations of suffering and brokenness, dealing with sickness in our families or sickness of loved ones, cancer sucks. I think about the, not just struggling with, with, with sickness, but struggling with the battle against sin, Why is pornography and anxiety and depression so rampant in our lives? Why do we struggle with such strains in our marriage from selfishness? Why is parenting so hard and kids so... There's there's just this lack of wholeness, this intense recognition of brokenness, fracture, and division on a global, societal, and personal level. And I know it's kind of heavy to kind of jump right off the bat into that. And the reason I bring this up is because here's the thing. We have been... We have been in the book of James for the past couple months as a church, and James has not been afraid to recognize this. He starts right off the bat and says, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. And now he's ending us with this call to patiently endure in the midst of suffering. James has not been afraid to expose the neediness of the world on a global, societal, and personal level. He's exposed our brokenness and our need for God, but he's also in kindness, Relentlessly and ruthlessly pushed us to, to expose the, the, the mission of God to actually come and meet us in that brokenness, to begin restoring that brokenness, and ultimately to give us a future hope where one day there is a world that is coming that will one day not be marked by this lack of wholeness. We're not living under any illusions here that things are just kind of getting better. No things are not how they should be. And so to that end, James wants to, by the Spirit, come to us this morning through his word and say, man, I have a final exhortation to the community. This community that I have ruthlessly and relentlessly been seeking to pursue wholeness among, seeking to pursue wholehearted devotion to the ways and teachings and character of Jesus. And he says, I have one final exhortation to that end. And here's what he's going to say. Here's what we're going to kind of spend our time together in this morning. We are going to look at the call That James gives us, to patiently endure suffering in anything. We're called to patiently endure suffering in anything. We are sustained as we prayerfully rely on God with everything, and we are fueled by the hope that we will one day be with him under his rule and reign eternally. That's where we're going. We're going to consider the call. We're going to rely on our resource, and we are going to hope in our reward. So let's do this Dig into the text with me, James chapter 5, starting in verse 7. I just want to show you, we're going to start by considering the call. The call is to patiently endure in the midst of suffering. The call is to patiently endure in the midst of suffering. I just want to show you where I get that in the text. Verse 7, here it is. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth being... Patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. Verse 8, you also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Don't grumble and complain against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. He goes on to talk about Job and the purpose of the Lord with compassion and mercy. What we're seeing right here from the text is that James starts right off the bat, verse 7. He says, be patient, brothers. Then he gives an illustration of patience in the farmers, and then he comes down a couple verses later in verse 10, I mean, uh, sorry, in verse uh, 8, and he says, you also be patient. There's the second command to patience. And then he gives a second illustration of patience in Job, in the purpose of the Lord, with the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. The call is to patiently endure in suffering. Now, we've already established that the world in our experience lacks wholeness. There's major fracture and brokenness in our experience. Now, there's, generally speaking, as we look at the Bible, there's two types of suffering. We've considered the universal suffering, the suffering that comes at the hands of living in a fallen, finite, broken world that is wrecked by sin and being corrupted. So as a result, whether you follow Jesus or not, people all across the board everywhere experience suffering struggle, brokenness. But James, I think he actually wants to key in not on universal suffering, but a second category of suffering, a particular suffering that is unique to the experience of Christians following Jesus. This is why James in verse 10 gives the example, my brothers, of the, of the suffering and patience of the prophets who spoke. Where? In the name of the Lord. See, when we speak in the name of the Lord, when we stand in the name of the Lord, we don't merely experience the suffering that everyone experiences, the loss of a job. Everyone experiences that, whether you follow Jesus or not. It's hard. It stings. The loss of a loved one, the loss of health, the loss of fertility, The loss of financial security. I don't don't know what it is that we're going through. But when we follow Jesus, we're not called to just, we're not just given grace to, to handle those suffering, the loss of those things. We are actually called in following Jesus to suffer the loss of our very lives. This is James in the wake of his brother and now savior, Jesus, who said, If anyone would be my disciple, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. We're not just talking about the suffering that we all experience across the board in humanity. We're talking about particularly in following Jesus. In other words, what James is saying is that, man, when we radically follow Jesus, this leads to genuinely suffering for the sake of Jesus. When we, like the prophets, stand and speak in the name of the Lord, we are then called and led to suffer for the sake of the Lord. It's costly. It requires sacrifice. It's uncomfortable. So what does this look like for you? We all have to kind of think about what does it look like for us to follow Jesus? What is he calling us to? Not just comfort and ease, but the suffering that that may lead us to. I think about, we've already mentioned, we live in Denver. We know that. I don't know if you guys are familiar, but the statistics are sometimes as high as that 98 percent of people in the urban core of Denver who don't know Jesus or attend an evangelical church. That's staggering numbers, which means that it is very likely that we're stepping into our workplace, we're going into our neighborhoods, we're going into all of these places where people don't know who Jesus is. We, like the prophets, are called to speak in the name of the Lord. We're not called to just having comfortable, easy relationships. We're called to step into the uncomfortability of having a conversation about Jesus when our coworker wants to just remain in spiritual ambiguity, as I like to call it. Uh, we're called to speak in the name of the Lord and to tell them about who Jesus is, why he's beautiful, why we follow him, that we follow him. My fear is that half of us haven't even told our coworkers that we know Jesus, that we follow him. What does this look like for you? to step into the calling of Jesus, though it may be costly, it may cost sacrifice, it may be uncomfortable, may even lead you to suffering. But we don't just speak in the name of the Lord like the prophets. We also stand in the name of the Lord. This is what the prophets did as well. They would see injustice surrounding them, and they would come and stand against it. And then they would stand with those who suffer and are most susceptible to the hands of injustice. We stand against injustice and we stand with those who are the most susceptible to suffering at the hands of injustice. But what does this look like? My wife and I have asked that question over the years. For me and for us, this has started to become much more heavy of a reality. I've kind of thought about these things, but for us, we've actually started stepping into it. Because over the past couple of years, God has been pressing us as he's been teaching us about what it looks like to follow Jesus, even into suffering for his sake. What he's called us to is to engage in the area of foster care. So this past year, we started stepping into that. We finally started kind of walking through that process. We get certified in October of last year. And man, later that week, I kid you not, later that week, after we just got certified for foster care, it had been kind of a year-long process, my wife finds out that she's pregnant with our second biological son. So all of a sudden, we're like wrestling. There's this thing thrown in the mix. Jesus, are you actually calling us to step into foster care? Like, you're telling us you, that we should build our family biologically. I kid you not, two days later, I walk into my job that prior to, prior to that had been secure, and my wife calls me into the office. I mean, sorry, my boss calls me into the office. My wife is not my boss. My <laughs> boss calls me into the office. She is my boss, but not in that regard. <laughs> I get called into the office at 6 a.m., boom, job lost. All of a sudden, a second... Opportunity of throwing something into the mix. God, is this actually what you're calling us to? To step into foster care. All of a sudden I don't have a steady and secure income. I've got a growing family, a second biological son, and now I'm supposed to come and, and, and not even have a job to, to 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 care for that as we step into foster care. But this is what I'm saying, as we follow Jesus, even circumstances like this, we're not guaranteed easy, we're not guaranteed comfortable. We are actually more often than not promised and guaranteed hard suffering walking into difficulty, pressing situations. So my wife and I, although we didn't want to, just felt like, man, God's pressing us to continue moving forward in this process. So we did. What does this look like for us as a church? We are called to patiently endure in the midst of suffering. And that suffering is not just across the board. It is something unique to Christians. As we engage and radically follow Jesus, we are led to genuinely suffer for the sake of Jesus. So I just ask you, point blank, is this how you view Christianity? Is this how you think about your walk with Christ? Because my fear is is that for many of us, we have bought into the lie of Disneyland, American Christianity, where come to Jesus and boom, all your wildest dreams that you ever wanted in this life will come true. That's not what James is pushing us to realize it takes to follow Jesus. He's saying it is costly. You must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him even into the throes of suffering, even into the throes of fighting against sin. So we are called in the midst of that, my friends, with the encouragement to patiently endure. I hesitate to kind of share... You know bits and pieces of my story in that because I don't want to try and lift my wife and I up as some supreme example or put us up on this pedestal as we step into foster care. But like, I just want to tell you that because honestly, this passage and this book as like a fa- as a family, this book has been so timely for us to come and be reminded of who Jesus is and when He becomes our supreme treasure. When the gospel comes to take ownership of our lives, that we're then called to display the worth of the gospel and the throes of suffering in our lives. This has been timely. I have needed desperately the encouragement and the call to patiently endure in the midst of that. I imagine some of you do too as well. But here's the beautiful thing about the God that we follow. Anytime that he issues a command, he never just says, life is hard, it's suffering, you're called to patiently endure. Here's the command, I issued it, now you go and do it. The God of the gospel, every single time that he issues a command, he always issues the means and the motivation to carry out that command. That is the gospel. So just as a side note, any time that you're actually digging into scripture or spending time in the word and you see a command, don't just think in your mind, okay, I've got to go do this. I've got to change these three things about my life. I've got to implement this into my life. No, before you go and do, look at what has been done for you. You must go and look and see what is the means and the strength and the resources that God has given me to carry this out, and what is the motivation that ought to healthily fuel me in that? It's just a side note. James follows suit. So we've considered the call to patiently endure. Now let's move on. We're going to look at the means to do that. We are going to rely on our resource. Continue with me in the text. Verse 13, as we rely on our resource. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him dot, dot, dot. Fill in the blank. Is anyone among you sick? Let him blank. What do you put there? What is your knee-jerk reaction? What is your natural response when you experience suffering, hardship, sickness, weakness, which is what that means in the Greek? To be sick is to be weak spiritually or physically. When you come up against that, What is your knee-jerk reaction? See, because if you're anything like me, when I experience suffering and hardship or the struggle with sin, I just want to white-knuckle it, pull up my bootstraps, fix it myself, or I want to self-medicate so that I don't actually have to deal. What James wants to bid us and push us to is to realize, man, that we can't do that and that our primary response, that our primary resource as we are facing suffering and struggle with sin is to turn to God, to rely on God in prayer. We have God. We have access to the very God of the universe himself and the fullness of his presence through the gospel. And James is saying, I want to bid you and push you to pray. Not to do it yourself, but to pray. Let's see that in the text. Is anyone among you suffering? I follow Jesus. Yes. Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? I follow Jesus. Yes, let him sing praise. That's another form of prayer. Is anyone among you sick to be physically or spiritually weak? Yes, that's why I followed Jesus. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. He pushes us again to prayer, this time in the context of community where we see that there are spiritually mature people in our community who have been placed in a position of authority And we are given the resource of calling upon them for prayer. So James pushes us three times to pray. And now he's going to move on to what is the result of that? What happens when we actually come to our resource of God in prayer? And what he says is this. For the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. That's resurrection. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. That's restoration. We are promised on the heels of prayer we are promised rescue from our weakness guaranteed future resurrection of our physical physical and spiritual bodies and we are promised forgiveness which results in restored relationship those are the three promises that god gives us when we come to him in prayer and james just to reinforce the point continues on he says therefore Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. You guys, James is telling us good news this morning. In the midst of following Jesus, even into the midst of suffering and the struggle against sin, we are promised that God will be with us in the midst of that and that he promises that in so doing when we come to him and have access to the throne of grace through prayer that we can actually be healed, we can be shaped, we can be transformed in the gospel. This is what we want as people. This is what we long for. Hey, yeah, I'm afraid, and I even experienced myself, man, that so many of us, we just turn to doing it on our own. Battling with anxiety and depression in the midst of that suffering, mm, I'm just going to lock myself up, I'm not going to come out. Battling with pride or anger or impatience, just deal with it myself rather than coming to God in prayer. And so we continue to struggle to actually see, man, here's what God is calling us to. And we have the resource to carry that out. Paul Miller wrote a phenomenal book called A Praying Life a few years back. I just wanna quote something from him. He says this about prayer and the promise for healing. Instead of trying to suppress anxiety, manage it or smother it with pleasure, we can turn our anxiety toward God. We have the invitation to use our anxiety as a springboard to bending our heart to God. Jesus opens his arms to his needy children. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The criteria for coming to Jesus is weariness. Come overwhelmed with life. Come with your wandering mind. Come messy. What's it feel like to be weary and heavy laden? You have trouble concentrating. The problems of the day are like claws in your brain. You feel pummeled by life. You have so many problems. You don't even know where to start you can't do life on your own anymore jesus wants you to come to him guys can we do this together can we just do this together can we not come into a space like this and just try and put on a happy face and act like everything's peachy keen everything's good i'm gonna get my praise on i'm gonna get my smile on But instead, come into this place and realize that as we follow Jesus, we are guaranteed suffering and struggle against sin. Knowing that that's going on in every single one of your lives, then can we come and do these rhythms that James is pushing us to? We have to boldly pray. We're given the rhythm to joyfully sing and be shaped in the gospel. We are given the rhythm of humbly confessing. We humbly confess because, as we've already established, We are weak. This is what prayer is, you guys. It is our most humble confession and our most tangible expression that we are weak and in need of God's power to save. This is what prayer is. It is our most humble confession and tangible expression that we need God, and God alone can meet us in that, transform, heal, and shape us in the gospel. So we humbly confess Not only that, we boldly pray. We boldly pray. And we do this because we are those who, through the gospel of Jesus, the crucified and risen Savior who triumphed over sin on the cross, who paid for it and triumphed over sin through the resurrection, now gives us access to God Himself. We are those who can pray boldly before the throne of grace. We have access to God. We humbly confess, we boldly pray, and we joyfully sing. We joyfully sing. The reason that we joyfully sing is because you all in Christ, we are those who are suffering and God comforts us with his presence. We are those who struggle with sin, but in the gospel are now being sanctified through the cross of Christ where he paid for sin and the resurrection where he triumphs over sin. We go from sinner to saved, from death to life, from darkness to light, from lost to found, from being blind to being given sight. We are those who have been Uh, alienated with no family to those who are adopted into god's family condemned to justified slaves of sin to set free from sin we are those who are without god and no hope in the world to now those in the gospel who have god we rejoice in him and we have a glorious eternal hope through him this is why we sing joyfully this is why we pray boldly this is why we confess humbly and we need these rhythms you guys Very practically speaking, James doesn't just give us the content. What does prayer look like? He also gives us the context. Where does it take place? And very simply, James says, it takes place in the context of community. This is why, not in legalism, but in wisdom, we would just heavily encourage you. Come, commit, prioritize being here week in, week out at our Sunday gatherings. You need this. As you follow Jesus And struggle with complacency and and negligence and, and all other kinds of things, we need to have the rhythms where we can humbly confess intentionally in our times together, where we can boldly pray and joyfully sing. This shapes us in our walks with Jesus. Not only that, but practically speaking, we like to push people to city groups as well. These are our small groups that gather all throughout the city. The reason we do that is not just to kind of have a bunch of wheels spinning, but because, man, we recognize the difficulties of life. We push you to actually plug in and commit to a city group because that is where we get out of rows and around tables and into relationship where when you are struggling heavily with sin and you are struggling heavily with the suffering that this life throws at us and that following Jesus uh, uh, ensues, we have to have relationships in a space where we can come and talk to people about that and receive prayer where people can actually lay hands on us and pray boldly over us, where we can confess our struggles in the midst of that humbly and where we can regularly and organically just sing joyfully. We need that, you guys. My wife and I have needed that. So we get certified in foster care in October of last year, started receiving calls right away. As soon as we decided we were gonna keep going forward in the process, we start receiving calls. And um, this is quite honestly, when it started to get really real for us. All, all of a sudden, we're not just kind of talking about kids who are suffering, and I don't know if you're familiar with, with the foster care system, but no matter how you dice it, these kids are coming out of traumatic situations. These kids are coming out of having parents who are abusing drugs or abusing them physically or emotionally or neglecting them. And then they have the trauma of being stripped from their home and put into a foreign home. And foster parents. Well, we've been kind of going through the process and like, oh man, it's heavy. But all of a sudden we start receiving calls where we're hearing kids' names. (laughs) All of a sudden we realize that like there's kids who are actually experiencing this suffering in our state. And in our city and in our counties and in our neighborhoods. (laughs) As you can tell, there's been a lot of weeping going on in our family, and that's why we need a context outside of rows and, in, in, and around tables and in relationship where we can actually come, and my wife and I aren't like, oh, we're, we're weeping over these tough situations. We should probably just stay home from Citigroup tonight because it's too hard. That's exactly when we need to step into those relationships. Had a bad day at work? had a tough day with your spouse, I don't know what it looks like, but that's not the time to say we should just stay home. That's the time to say, man, we should press into this and receive prayer and joyfully sing and humbly confess with one another. And so very simply, man, we have received life through this. We would be getting pummeled by life if we didn't have people who are doing that for us in the context of our Sunday gatherings and city groups. So I just wanna say, if you're not involved in that, I just wanna say, consider what that looks like for you to pursue that this week. Plug in, start committing here. Start plugging into a city group where you can do these things and be shaped in the beauty of the gospel. So we are called to patiently endure in the midst of suffering. It is hard, it is difficult when we follow Jesus, but we are given the sustenance as we prayerfully rely on him fully in community. And lastly, in our last couple minutes together, here's what I wanna do. I wanna push us to realize that we are not just uh, called to patiently endure and sustain as we prayerfully rely. We are fueled by the hope that we will one day eternally reside. We will one day be with God forever, and amen. There is a day coming where all of this stuff will be dealt with once and for all. I want to show you this in the text, and then I just want to do what is a normal rhythm in the life of our church, where we don't just look at our present circumstances. We look to our future hope in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Here's what James does. He's done this consistently throughout the book, and he's going to end in the same way. Verse 7 again. Be patient, therefore, brothers. Why? The coming of the Lord you also verse 8 be patient establish your hearts why because the coming of the lord is at hand it's near it's imminent it's on its way don't grumble against one another brothers so that you may not be judged behold the judge is standing at the door we are pushed again to see that jesus our judge who is king is near and he will come and set up his eternal rule oh, dang it, eternal rule and reign in the kingdom of god be patient and endure in the midst of suffering and hardship and difficulty. Why? Because Jesus is returned. There is a day coming. There is a day coming that we anticipate now As we unite ourselves to the cross of Jesus Christ where he has paid for sin, and as we unite ourselves to the resurrection of Jesus where he triumphs over sin and death and Satan and hell as a guarantee of the day that is coming in the future where he will decisively and once and for all establish his rule and reign forever. This is why James says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust can destroy and where thieves can break in and steal. He's saying, I am about wholeness in the community of God. I'm about wholehearted devotion among followers of Jesus. And it is anticipation. It is fueled by the reality that there is a day coming when his rule and reign will be fully here. You guys, we we know that when there is a day coming tomorrow, we are fueled with patience today. We see this all the time in our lives, don't we? I mean, think about uh, going through the grind of work. It's tough to be patient with your coworkers. It's tough to be patient with an unruly boss or whatever you're going through. Think about the grind of nursing school or the grind of grad school or the grind of college. Finals week is crazy. But guess what? You can be sustained and fueled through finals week because what's coming around the corner? Summer break. Summer break is coming around the corner. There's a day coming, and that helps to fuel you through these times of intense suffering and hardship. In the same way, just as we know that that will not last forever and that there is a day coming where we will receive full and final respite, in the same way, better than a summer break, we are going to receive a full-on break in the person and work of Jesus when it is established in full, the imminent return of Christ. In the words of Andy Minio, one day my God is going to crack the sky. He's going to bottle up every tear that we ever cry, bring truth to every lie, justice for every crime. All our shame will be gone and we'll never have to hide. No more broken hearts, no more broken homes, no more locking doors, no more cops patrolling, no more abusive words or abusive touches, no more cancerous cells that'll take our loved ones, no more hungry kids, no more natural disasters, no child will ever have to ask where his dad is, no funerals where we wear all black and death will be dead. We will lock the casket. Yes. This is the day that is coming that we have to look forward to that fuels us through our endurance now. We just had the 2017 Great American Eclipse and in Colorado, it was quite honestly a little bit underwhelming. Sure, it was great in Wyoming, but it was not that cool here. Sorry, I wasn't that impressed. But you know what will impress? You know what will not be underwhelming? The eternal weight of God's glory. I had to do this. The eternal weight of God's glory that will, be, that will eclipse any amount of suffering we could go through in this life. Suffering is eclipsed by glory. I had to do it because of this week. It was awesome. <laughs> you guys, there is a day coming. We are called to patiently endure in the midst of suffering as we follow Jesus. We are sustained as we prayerfully rely on him in the context of community. And we are fueled as we hope we are fueled by the hope that we will one day be with him under his perfect rule and reign for eternity. I just wanna end quoting another song as we turn to a time of response. This is kind of a long quote, but it is so worth it. Let's just receive this together. This is from Beautiful Eulogy. They are a hip hop artist. They take rich theology. They put it to sweet beats and it's phenomenal. If you haven't listened to them, you should. And I just wanna quote from them. This is a song called Acquired in Heaven. Let's just take this in, take it in. On that day, we will sing of the name more excellent than angels, a purified bride, refined heart, speech, and mind, where unity and fellowship is perfected in the church, where divine love rests in the hearts of the inhabitants of the new earth and receive a crown only to cast it down at the feet of the resurrected Jesus in a ceaseless form of worship, singing glory to the liberating king who came not to conquer kingdoms but conquer hearts and restore men back to what they were intended for and escape from this life marked by anguish a great fountain of love that flows from heaven's gates awaits us. You could take this world, its joys and its fleeting pleasures, but give us Jesus, our future hope and our greatest treasure, the fulfillment of our expectation with nothing to separate us, nothing to hinder the saints from the greatest expression of adoration, finally fit with language to describe, with the right words to express, the richness of eternal possession, the blessing of inheritance, where God will be seen through purified eyes purged from the sin that blinded us from viewing God as glorified, where love will be expressed with the perfect affection until then we wait with expectation for all that we will acquire in heaven. God, let this burn heavily on our hearts and our minds. We look to the person and work of Jesus in the midst of the throes of suffering and struggle in this life. We follow you, Jesus, knowing that you are the suffering servant Thank you for pushing us to realize, man, that when we are down in our sin, we need other people to come and to lift us up to the Savior. I pray that you would do that this morning as we pray boldly, as we confess humbly, and as we sing joyfully together in this time of response. Do a massive work among us in the gospel. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you guys so much for listening, for digging into God's word with me, we're now gonna to turn to a time of response. We do this every single week as a community, a time where we don't just crack open God's word, but we have opportunity to respond to it, to receive God's word. And I can think of no better way to kind of fix the eyes of our heart on the hope of the, t- of the day that is coming when Jesus returns than to come before the table in communion. Communion is the recognition. It is a time where we remember the past work of what Jesus has done on the cross and the resurrection. It fuels us in a time when the spirit is, 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 is upon us and in, in, in pushing us to a time when we not only look back at the first coming of Jesus and what he accomplished, but to the second coming of Jesus and what he will accomplish at his return when we eat and drink of the bread and the cup anew around the marriage supper and feast of the lamb when he returns. This is Jesus giving his body for us, shedding his blood so that we can be reconciled to the one whom we were made for. God is himself. So we receive. We come to the table if we follow Jesus. If you don't follow Jesus or you're considering following Jesus, we want to pray with you. We have people who are in the back who are ready and willing to lay hands on you, who are ready and willing to just listen. If you want to talk through what we've been talking about this morning or if you're considering following Jesus, come talk to someone. They'd love to talk to you. They'd love to pray with you, whatever that might look like. So we want to receive this. We want to pray boldly. We're going to sing joyfully this morning. Because in the midst of suffering, hardship, and struggle, how hard is it for us to actually feel the gospel? We may know these truths about Jesus, but we need help by the Spirit in actually allowing us to take what we know to feel in our hearts and experience in our lives. Singing is a unique gift from God where we get to do that. So these are the rhythms. We also have these stations on either side where we can kind of just go through the gospel. I'm going to have these up for one more week after this. I'd encourage you to go through that either in our time of response or after the gathering. And lastly, all throughout our time in James, we have been pushing us to be a people who practically engage in mission. James wants us to see genuine love for God that leads to genuine love for people. And so we've been trying to give practical avenues where we can engage in that on a local and a global level, right? Right? So I've talked a little bit about foster care this morning. We actually have our agency, the privilege of having our agency who certified us through the state, out in the lobby. If you would love to learn more about that, they're going to be out there. They're going to have information. My wife and I will probably be out there, and we can talk to you. Just tell us a story if you're interested in foster care or even just in local or global international adoption. Like, Come talk to us. We would love to pursue what that might look like for us to have that kind of a culture uh, cultivated among us as a community. Where we engage with needy kids and orphans in their affliction like James says. And So as we turn to a time of response... Oh, I also need to mention, I'm sorry for so many details, but tomorrow night, 5.30 p.m., if you're interested in foster care, our agency's going to be back here again tomorrow night. We're going to cater some food so you get free food, and you'll get free information, no strings attached, on what it looks like to, to step into something like foster care and, and engagement with, with orphans. And so uh, as we do that, I just want to read this from Russell Moore. He says this. When we encourage a culture of orphan care, and this is why we want to do this, when we encourage a culture of orphan care in our churches and communities, we're picturing something that's true about our God. We, like Jesus, see what our Father is doing and do likewise. What our Father is doing, it turns out, is fighting for orphans like you and me. No home without God in the world and making them sons and daughters. The gospel bids us to this. And so I want to push you to that. You guys, however the spirit is leading, I would ask you to respond. Amen.